Hey everybody, welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. My name is Ben Wilson, and today I'm sitting down with Reverend Robin King, who's uh, been on the show for every episode of this podcast, except for the last one we did. So today's show is the second episode into season number two. And uh, last year, before the Christmas break, when we uh, stopped for, for a few weeks break, we, I think we did 36 episodes of this show last year, and each one of those was about a half an hour long conversation between Robin and myself over a cup of coffee, and we would just casually explore different topics that relate to various Bible stories or ideas or topics of faith that we just felt like chatting about that day. Um, for this year, we're taking a little bit of a different approach and inviting um, some different guests onto the show to either talk with Robin or just with me. Uh, each week will be a little bit different. Uh, and so last week we had our first guest, Ty Wilson, on the show. We chatted with him for about 45 minutes or so about why he doesn't come to church. So if you haven't listened to that episode, it's really worth checking out. We, uh, we got into a really interesting conversation about the reasons that uh, the kind of the views and the uh, opinions that, that Ty has of what it means to go to church, why he's uh, not a churchgoer. Um, and yeah, it's a really interesting conversation. So today I've got Robin back in the, the studio here with me. Welcome back, Robin. And I think today we're going to talk about miracles and signs and tying, the, tying this into a specific uh, story from the gospel where Jesus performs his first miracle of turning water into wine at the, the wedding of, of Cana. Have I got that right, Robin? Yeah. Well, you know, last, I, it'll be a miracle, actually, if I get through this without coughing. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we were, when we were talking to Ty, uh, I, I thought, uh, what kind of miracle could possibly bring Ty to church? And, um, and then, lo and behold, this week... Uh, we got a story of uh, basically the first thing that uh, Jesus does. He goes to a party and he brings a booze. And so I thought, <laughs> hey, there's a story to... But that is actually what the story is about. It's funny, you know, we we, uh, we look at the story so seriously. Uh, it's the, the first miracle in the Gospel of John. And by the way, John doesn't call them miracles anyway. He calls them signs, um, which is something we're going to have to talk about because signs point to something right they're not important of themselves they they point to something else um but uh here's a story uh where jesus is invited to a wedding along with everybody else uh, because that's the way they did weddings in those days it was the whole community um he's invited to a wedding and um, they run out of wine which would be a uh incredibly humiliating faux pas uh, in in uh, first century Judea or today, uh, well, uh, yeah, but today your wedding party doesn't necessarily last a whole week. Um, True, and theirs did, and you had wine for, and um, and Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus uh, turns uh, uh, a large amount. Uh, in fact, I think it's six things of of uh, water, very large containers of water, into wine. And not only is it wine, but when they serve it, the, the uh, steward of the wedding is so incredibly impressed because um, they didn't serve the best wine first, they saved it till now. Yeah. Right? And, Which is, and normally, normally you'd serve your good stuff first because by the time people had a few drinks, right, you, know, you they can can't get the, the crappy stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and... And we could, you can tell that story as seriously as you want, and you can talk about the amazing miracle that Jesus does and everything. Um, but the fact of the matter is, um, 
Jesus goes to a party and he brings the booze. That's, I mean, that is essentially what happens in the story. And the fact that he makes it happen, mm-hmm. that's the miracle. That's the sign, right? So what's it pointing to? Um, and, and, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about, um, oh, people are always talking about miracles, right? They happen all the time. Um, we have such a broad view of what, what that uh, word a means. miracle is. Yeah. Everyday um, miracles is even a, a term, right? Yeah, and and even if you read uh, like any of the gospel stories where Jesus um, does what we would call in air quotes a miracle, um, it, some some of them are remarkably similar to a magician's trick, right? Including this one, right? I mean, you can just imagine. Although, okay, let, let me just say, let me just say, we, we went to uh, Lori and I went to the Illusionists. Uh, recently the show um, it's a it's a show of there's uh, five guys six guys um who basically do uh magic except they don't they're illusionists and they're quite clear that what they're doing is an illusion um in fact one one guy even uh, like quite pointedly said um something along the lines of um it's it's not magic um you know there is a way of doing it. and but you know it's, it's some of the stuff that they do is so incredibly uh, and and even the more you think about how they do it, or how they might be able to figure to to make that happen, um, it becomes so incredibly amazing. And and they were all really gifted performers. There was one guy in particular that was just like literally mind blowing, uh, what he could do. Um, but again, y- you know he's worked it out. He mm-hmm. has a technique. He has a skill. He has a gift. Um, he actually um, referred to himself as being like Sherlock Holmes, right? Who in the stories. Um, uh, the Conan Doyle stories um, notoriously is able to de- deduce things from seemingly ridiculously tiny, insignificant little details. Right, and 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 that's what, basically that's what this guy does. And it, but you just think like, how the hell did he do that? So are you talking about things like pick a card, any card, and I, I can tell the card you're holding is a six of spades. Oh, that that would be that would be nothing. This this is the kind of guy who like he he asks people to randomly stand up in the audience and he can guess their name or or tell them what they're thinking and you know those kind of things. Right, right. And and sometimes we think that's what magic magic right? It's it's magical. Right. right, but now we've reached. We have actually re- reached a point of I don't want to say sophistication, but sophistication, where we understand there's a technique. It's not magic. There's a, there's a scientific there's explanation. There's a scientific explanation. There's a there's a technique to making it happen, um, and and that's not a miracle. So, uh, how are you distinguishing then the line between trickery or sleight of hand or illusion? And miracle is that miracle has no um, logical uh, a or scientific has explanation. No, yeah, a miracle has no um, logical or reasonable explanation of how that may be accomplished um, using using just sort of you know nature, right, uh, or science, um, which is what which is what makes this first miracle of Jesus so completely confoundingly annoying. Because I bet there's a whole bunch of first century magicians who could turn water into wine. There probably was. Yeah? How do you think they did it? was probably a trick. I don't know how they did it. Yeah. Um, You know, maybe they lined the containers with something before they poured the water in. I don't know. Right. Um, Except that might give you the appearance of wine. But the story is that the steward said this is the best wine ever. Yeah. So not only did Jesus turn the water into wine, 
thereby, by the way, saving the hosts of the party the embarrassment mm-hmm. of having Renette. But he also um, creates it in abundance, right? There's a lot of it. And it's good. And it's good. So, presuming that, again, uh, a miracle is a sign of something, right? And in in the Gospel of John, we say there's signs. There's seven of them. Um, these various miracles that Jesus does. What is it pointing to? Um, Jesus goes to a party. He makes wine. What is that pointing to? Well, one thing that I think is really cool about that, that I hadn't thought about until you framed it that way, is, um, and this ties into something you talked about in one of your sermons, I think it was last, just this last Sunday, where you're talking about Jesus's baptism, and how there's this period of time between when Jesus was 12 years old in the temple, and then all of a sudden, shazam, he's 30, and he's coming out of the wilderness, and we have no idea what he's been doing for the last 18 years, but what's the first thing that he does? He goes and gets baptized with a whole bunch of people. So he goes through this ceremonial um, act that everyone else is doing, and he doesn't do it by himself. He does it with everybody. So it says that says a lot about who is this guy. He's a man of the people. He's one of us. He's, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so this, this story of the sure. water into wine at Cana is kind of like that, too. He goes to a party, and he... <laughs> He uh, makes everybody happy by providing a bunch of wine. Like he does it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, that, the, uh, yeah, there's something that, ordinary yes, about that's, it. That it's that's a really good but, point. In fact, in first century Judea um, or Galilee, because they're in Galilee, right? Which is like Judea's bad neighborhood um, in those days. Right. And, and it's full of Gentiles too, you know, so, um, but he goes there and, uh, he shares in a party with everybody else. And he has a good time, um, and that in itself actually, you know, you want to say, "Oh, that's pretty ordinary," and just being one of us and having a good time and everything. But um, a good time wasn't had by all in places that were occupied by the Romans. So this would have been a moment of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and where's Jesus at? He's there. This is the same Jesus, right, who spends most of his time with uh, people who've been cast out from society, um, who have various things wrong with them, wrong in quotes, of course, um, that lead them to believe that they are no longer part of the community. And here's the first thing he does is go and be with the community. It's also the first thing he does in the Gospel of John, which is the only gospel that doesn't tell the baptism story. It does tell it does tell a story about how John, um, in identifying Jesus to his own followers, to G- John's followers, um, he talks about how he saw the the dove, the Holy Spirit as a dove, alight upon Jesus, and that's how he knows he's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, there's no story of John actually baptizing Jesus in the Jordan, which which you know going on what I was saying about how it was you know he was participating in something with the rest of us as one of us here's jesus participating in something as one of us with the rest of us yeah right he's in on the party you know i i'm just trying to think of which movie this might have been jesus of nazareth um where they portray this story as jesus is sitting off quietly by himself right my voice is just totally going now isn't it yeah um jesus is sitting off by himself quietly 
um, behaving himself while everyone else is partying. I don't believe that for a second. Me Sorry. neither. I think he's in there. I think he's dancing around. I think he was probably, you know, having a good time. Um, I'm trying to think. It, it, maybe it was Bishop Spong, um, John Spong, who suggested that, in fact, this might well have been Jesus' own wedding. And to perhaps to, to Mary. You know, just, and I mean, there's no evidence for that, but hey, why not? Sure, could have been. Yeah, it's possible. In any case, he's participating with the community. He's not sitting off in a corner. He's doing the thing, right? So he's having a good time. Um, and what does he do? He shares, um, he shares wine, not just, not just wine, but good wine. And there's more than enough for everybody. So if, if you think, if this is pointing at something, if this is a sign that's pointing at something, there's a couple of things it could be pointing at. First of all, it could be pointing out that the wine is kind of like God's grace. It's for everybody. There's a lot of it. And it's, and it's good. free. Yeah. Right? It, and it's it's good and it's for everybody. And and sometimes, you know, we often, again, it's like portraying Jesus as the, the wallflower sitting off in the corner at the party. Um, we portray grace and um, uh, when we talk about even love and forgiveness and all of the grace and all those things in church, we talk about it so seriously. Um, and, and it's not sometimes, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's enjoyment. Sometimes it's um, messy. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's something to be, um, uh, just, just to have a good time with it. Um, and if this is a sign that is pointing to, um, the abundance of God's grace that is for all and is freely given, just enjoy it for God's sake. Right. <laughs> Um, another thing. So does that mean we should start, uh, maybe that means we should start serving wine in church. And I'm not, you know, not just a little thimbleful for communion, which in the United Funny Church, we don't, up. we don't even uh, use real wine in the United Church. We use we grape don't. juice. Um, and there are some traditions that use uh, grape juice instead of wine as part of communion. Um, There are some traditions that use uh, grape juice instead of wine, um, and there are various reasons for that. Um, the United Church, generally, I think the United Church is kind of tied to the idea that, um, first of all, um, particularly in Western Canada, we're kind of tied a little bit to the teetotaler tradition, um, that um, we, uh, we, we don't drink. Right. We're also trying really hard to be respectful of um, people who have issues with drinking, mm-hmm. right? And and those are very good reasons. Um, whether they are, whether they buy in, I want to be really careful how I say this, I guess, but whether they are by themselves legitimate reasons to overwhelm a story which quite clearly says wine and bread, because they didn't drink grape juice in Jesus' day. They drank <laughs> wine. And and there was lots of reasons for that, too, by the way. It wasn't just that wine was readily available. Sometimes the the um, uh, availability of uh, water you could actually drink was an issue, too, right? Right. Uh, especially in a, in a city. Um, you didn't always, you couldn't always find water that was drinkable. Um, or or at, at the very least, good for you. Um, and... 
And I think those are, it's really good. It's really good be, to be respectful. Um, it's also really good to uh, remember that um, there was, there not only was, but there still is um, a role for the church in terms of things that are, you know, um, positive and affirming ways to live. I'm trying to think of a way to get around saying moral compass. Um, but um, there is there is good reason to think the church should be that and everything. But to me, you don't do that by arbitrarily saying no. You do that by engaging the community in a discussion about it. Um, and so you do that by, for instance, instead of just saying, we're not going to ever have alcohol in the church um, of any kind, uh, because first of all, uh, it's, it's, it's wrong. This is a church. Um, but also because it might be offensive or, um, it might be, um, difficult, uh, for people who have issues with alcohol. Um, maybe you should have a conversation with everybody about it first. Yeah. Maybe talk to those people, talk to people who have issues with it. Um, but also talk to the people who are okay with it and, and find out why. I think what you're pointing at here is that life in community and tackling questions of uh, spiritual questions or questions of faith or questions of just living life as human beings is confusing, messy, non-binary, and and needs to be explored through conversation, not through policies or rules or black and white decisions that are just going to, this is the way it's always going to be. Come hell or high water, right? We made a decision. We have the answer. Boom, for sure. Yeah, and and there's there's more and more, uh, and, and now you know you're we're hearing stories now. Um, there's something in the news just recently about um, uh, Hillhurst in Calgary, right? Um, they they have a big uh, old gym that they don't really use uh, very much, and they wanted to repurpose the space. And one morning their minister just randomly tossed out the idea it could be a microbrewery. Ha, ha, ha. And then they seriously started to look into it, and it turns out it could. <laughs> so are they going to do it? And there could be a way to make that happen. And I was reading this story thinking, wow, okay, that's a really, uh, okay, that's going to be new. And it's not, actually. There are actually other churches that have had uh, microbreweries or have, at the very least, a winemaking club or a beer making club um, because they have space, right? Right. Space to store things that people might not have at home, right? Yeah. So they can make things in quantity. There's even, uh, I can't, is it, um, I think it's the, is it the Anglican Cathedral in um, Edinburgh that has its own pub? Really? Well, actually, there's probably loads of churches in England that have their own pub. I'm sure. Um, so right away, um, I would go, that's a conversation you have to have. Yeah. Um, particularly if your your church isn't just a church on Sunday morning. It's a church of the people. It's a church of the community. And so there are other groups that use it, or there are other times where it is used for different things, mm -hmm. right? Um, our, our churches, for instance, have theater groups. Um, and it, it's become kind of the thing um, in many theaters uh, now, um, to serve alcohol. Yeah. At the break, right? Yeah. At the intermission. Um, even, even smaller theaters, um, uh, like in, in Camrose, um, but the, the, the bigger theaters, they all have a bar or bars open at the intermission. Um, some of them now actually even, and 
I was surprised when they started to do this, but many of them now, in fact, allow you to take that back into the into the theater. Yeah, it's um, there. Uh, where were uh, Lori and I were in Stratford just recently in Ontario, uh, and we went to some shows there, and they actually have a specially designed glass. <laughs> they do. It's plastic and it has a lid. Really, it's it's almost like in, in some it's kind of like a sippy cup even, um, so that you can take your beverage back into the and hall with you and not spill it on the seats and not spill, not worry about spilling it anywhere or them having That's to clean crazy. it up. So well, and, but the thing is, you know, again, uh, you might then kind of go, yes, but we're a church, we're not having that. We're a church, okay, yes, but you're also part of the community, and and this is where maybe this is maybe this is a sign that is pointing to something about us too, which is very much like Jesus. The church is a piece of the community. Um, and as a piece of the community, it needs to not only um, uh, influence and uphold the goodness of the community, it needs to engage the community as part of the community. Absolutely. And maybe this is a moment for that. Um, maybe, um, maybe this is a moment for discussion around, um, are you gonna allow people to have events at the church um, where they might serve alcohol. Alcohol. Voice is definitely going now. Mm-hmm. I need a miracle, Ben. I need a miracle <laughs> healing right now. Just touch my robe, Robin. Yes, yes. It's not working, Ben. Um, uh, but but maybe that's not the only conversation. Maybe this whole attitude of Jesus isn't set apart. He's in the community. The first thing he does is dive into being part of the community. So let's. here's uh, maybe a potential kind of segue to get us back into talking about uh, just what it means to perform a miracle. If Jesus is this uh, one of us kind of ordinary human being, then why do you think it's so important for us to perceive him as this, um, this mortal man, but who has godly abilities to, to bring someone back to life, to heal someone just by touching them to turn barrels of water into wine is it that people then or and and now need to to see that you know he has to there has to be some proof that he's the son of god that he has these abilities that 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 lead us to beyond a shadow of a doubt believe that he's not just an ordinary man yes is that what those it's those miracles are about? It's because he's the son of God, Ben. Um, it's, because back then, I mean, it, there's. I it sounds terrible when I do that, doesn't it? That, that it sounds like I'm being your, sarcastic about it. Um, but but cold. in fact, I'm I'm not being sarcastic about it. That is kind of the point. The, the point is, and and here's the thing about that. The point is um, that from the beginning and and the the debate, right? Jesus is both human and divine. Um, because Jesus, the son of God becomes human, um, or whether you use John's take, the word becomes flesh, right? It's incarnation. Uh, Jesus is God incarnate. Um, however you, uh, and we've talked about it for 2000 years, however you, um, want to look at that. Um, the point is that Jesus is human and divine. Mm-hmm. And we have, we have, I think we have always looked at that as, that's what sets Jesus apart. And to me, the story, like the baptism story, this story about Cana, these beginning stories, these are the stories that remind us 
that that isn't what sets Jesus apart. That's what reminds us that we are too, right? Mm. We are both human and divine also. We are divinely created in the image of the creator. And in other words, with the same love and uh, ability to love, grace, um, all of those things that we might use as ways to define what God is all about, that's in us too. Yeah. We're also human beings. Um, we're of the earth, right? There's this like, and, and it's not a two sides thing. And, and that was one of the things about the, the great debate around is Jesus human or divine? And the answer is yes. It's not two sides. It's one being, right? right? And, and we've, we've, I think we've, we've traditionally always looked at that as that's what sets Jesus apart. That's what makes Jesus special. And, and I'm, I, I wonder if that isn't the, the wrong way to look at that. That maybe the the way to look at that is that that's what ought to remind us what's special about us, too. Mm -hmm. That we are like you can you can tell people that they're created in the image of God and and that Jesus is in them, mm -hmm. too. Right? All you want, but the fact of the matter is, the moment you talk about it that way, say Jesus or God, people realize that's something greater than them, and I'm never going to be that. Right. Right. You tell stories still, about Jesus and say, Jesus is our example. Well, Jesus was the son of God. I'm not ever going to be that good. Yeah. It's how we respond to that. Whether we say that out loud or it's just in the back of our heads, we're never going to succeed. And, and that was never Jesus' point. Hmm. Je Jesus' point was to try and, I think, to show us that, yes, you can. I think there's a lot of people who are unsure of what they believe uh, uh, and and they'll describe their their beliefs as well i don't know like i'm not religious but i believe that there's some kind of higher power or higher being or greater greater force greater being and it's kind of ties into what you're saying that there's this something that's infinitely more powerful than we could ever be because we we have this this uh humanness to us that limits us and that there is this veil or this separation between us and the divine, yes. or us and the the holy. Right. We're we're tainted. We're and but, it, it probably even, does come from this this story that we're we're born sinners. And even if you're even if you don't subscribe to, I have to, no doubt that is part of it. Absolutely, don't you think? Because but I also think I also think um, well, even in traditions, uh, even in like non Judeo-Christian traditions, mm -hmm. there's still that idea that there's something about us that is. You know. Well, that's what I was going to say. Even if you're someone who, in 2018, didn't grow up in church, never have, never has never walked into a church or read a, a Bible or any other holy manuscript or book in your life, and, and you might be atheist or agnostic or whatever, but just our culture today is a product of thousands of years of believing that, of other people believing, well, of previous generations hey, believing that. Even if you think, even if you think that. Uh, um, even even if you don't uh, uh, don't even think any of that stuff, and you're just saying, you know, uh, the Earth was populated by aliens tens of thousands of years ago, and they basically planted us here, and somewhere out there, it's a race of aliens waiting for us to mature to the point where we're useful to them. You know, one of those sort of science fiction things, right? right? Um, even if you think that way, your perspective is still we're here, and there's something greater out there, right? Um, and that's that's okay. Don't get me wrong. The idea of there being a higher power, there's something greater than I. 
I, I, absolutely. The thing is, that thing that is greater than you is also you. It's you are connected to it. You you have to. I think we always have to remember that we are part of that fabric. Mm-hmm. That is that thing that we think is greater, and that's what makes it greater. Is that we're all connected to it. That it's not just me. It's all of us. Um, and and that's the thing about God, right? If you if you talk about God as being um, the love that connects us all, the 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 energy of life in the universe, mm-hmm. um, the any of those other ways that we describe God, um, the thing about that is that it's not just one thing out there and us here. It's we're all connected. It's yeah. it's it's a web. It's a fabric. It's a um, we're force. all in relationship. It's the it's force, universe. Robin. It's sure. It's even the force. Well, you know, when um, and and if it is the force, how come there's a dark side, and there's a light side, but there's no gray side? That's what I want to know. <laughs> there's no gray zone because there is. Like honestly, you can't you can't watch all of those Star Wars things, right? And think that the force is 100 percent white. And 100% black, right? Yeah. 100% light side, 100% dark side. Even the, that language, even that language is fundamentally flawed for human beings. It absolutely is for 100% sure. flawed. Because we're not. No. We're not all one shade or the other, right? In, in, any, in any way, Right. Um, so even even some of the characters that you would consider to be part of the dark side in Star Wars have a lightness, have lightness to them. in them. Yeah, and, and the light has some darkness in them. Yeah, right? and I, it, that's obviously intentional. You look yeah. at the, the films, and it's obviously intentional. So why? Because they're not separate; they're connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. So speaking of connected, and speaking of of miracles, I as you were talking there, I was just thinking about how. Really, all of well, what I think what you're saying is that all of life is this has this holiness or has this um, uh, godliness imbued in it or or as part of it, just by virtue of the fact that it is alive. So, in in our own bodies, I mean, we our bodies are are turning nothing into something all the time or, or taking we take in water or, or coffee or eat a sandwich and our body is able to miraculously convert that into living cells in our bodies and, mm. and use that food and use that water to build bone tissue and blood and brain you know like I tell my kids eat your drink drink up your water and eat your lunch because you're going to turn that piece of chicken into your toe you know like that if that's not a miracle the fact that we live in these bodies that are able to create life just by the things that we eat and drink and breathe and see i me i go um uh that's to me that's all a miracle um, because, and, and, and then someone, uh, I have to tell you that you're actually, that's wrong. It's not a miracle at all. Uh, a miracle is something that defies explanation, um, by conventional means. Um, and, and see, I also think, by the way, there's another part to it. It's not just something that can, that defies explanation by conventional means. It also, um, if not points to something, it indicates something else. 
It's mm. an indication mm-hmm. of something else, right? But maybe this that's but, just a really good example of showing how we use the word miraculous or miracle. But but all no, the time. no, I think and, we use it correctly. That's my point. Is that okay, but if you're gonna say that a miracle is something that defies conventional explanation, I have no idea how um I have no idea how I got this cold. I have no idea how it makes my throat hurt like this. I have no idea why when I pour cold water on it, um, it feels better or, you know, I know. And I, God forbid, drink green tea. Um, it feels better. I don't know. I, I have no idea. There is a scientific explanation for that. Yeah. Somebody knows. I don't know what it is. You don't know. Because I'm not a freaking scientist. So to me, it's a miracle that it works. Yeah. And that's the thing is that just because, you know, just because it can be explained by, um, you know, science or, um, or technology or whatever, um, at the highest level, doesn't mean that it's still not a miracle. If in fact, we're supposed to, um, um, come to our faith as with as, as children, right? Right. As children would. Yeah, and that child, not simplistically, like... not simplistically, but simply. Well, that would be simply amazing, and I wouldn't understand how it would work. It's a miracle. It is simply a miracle. Okay. Well, maybe it was sleight of hand. Maybe it was a trick. Whatever it was, the fact is that the point of Jesus turning water into a wine wasn't that he did a trick. It was that he did something that defied explanation that pointed to something else. Yeah. And that, that's a miracle. That's a great place to end it, I think. And I I love that you tied in this idea of approaching it through the eyes of a child. We just got through Christmas. And so, you know, for me, looking at the last few weeks, we've had all these um, events that we've gone to, uh, Christmas morning, all these things where we've watched our children experience these magical moments. And to them, they don't need a, more of an explanation beyond just, oh, well, it's magic. Like, how does, how does Santa do this and that? Well, it's magic. And they're perfectly content with that answer. They don't need to uncover more than that. Yeah, then we grow up and ruin it, Ben. We do. We grow up and we ruin it. So what do we got uh, in store for next week? We've actually got a couple of guests uh, that are going to be coming on the show uh, that I'm really excited about. So I'm going to answer the question that I just asked you. But <laughs> we, uh, we've been talking are to... You, are you ditching me, Ben? No, no. Wait, uh, wait, what, what? I think what, what we're going to do is, is um, kind of bounce back and forth between the odd guest and uh, conversations between the two of us. And awesome. I'm, really, I'm really excited for next week we're going to be interviewing... Uh, Jackie Northy, who has a really cool story about um, a commitment that she made to posting inspirational quotes on Facebook every day for a whole entire year. So make sure that you check out uh, next week's episode. And then we've got another guest the week after that lined up that I'll uh, share more about um, in the next week or two. And uh, yeah, so thank you everyone for listening to this conversation. Hope you got lots out of it. Um, as always, feel free to get in touch with us if you have feedback or ideas for the show, ideas for guests that uh, might be interested in coming on and, and talking with myself or Robin or both of us. And uh, it would also be really helpful if you can give us um, a rating or a review 
uh, on where uh, iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and also subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. So thanks again, Robin. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Ben. And take care. We'll catch you next time. Bye.